that was actually flawless on video too. That's incredible. Flawless on video. That's my name of my new. Uh... <laughs> Gollum, <laughs> Gollum, the video producer, the key grip. <laughs> it's ASMRing my ears. It's I'm getting asthmaed right now. Welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season nine, Better Off Chats. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by a guy who I've always said would look dashing with a tail. It's Magellan. Hey, what's up? You furry man, you big box of uh, fur. I, I, did think, I, think, I did think the tail thing was kind of silly in the episode, but then Lem said he would look great with antlers. And yeah. I was like, you know what? You know? You can see it. You would. I can see it. I, I wish I had antlers. I think, yeah, we got to get you to watch like one of those anime, those anthropomorphic animals anime, and then you'll be really into it. I mean, you or got started on that one where... oh, is that the same thing. Are they anthropomorphized animals? Yes. I guess so. Aren't you more saying like animals that are, are like very people-like, like half people? Yeah, that's that's more ideal. But what I'm saying also is that Phil and Lem and hopefully eventually Magellan uh, join me in the furry community. And we have we go to FurryCon <laughs> 2021. Um, I can probably watch that Daniel Radcliffe movie where he has horns. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Ugh. Equus? <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the one. No, that's the horse. That's the ding-dong one. Yeah. There's no no. There's actually somebody just told me they watched that Danny Radcliffe movie. This is a real premise, uh, where he is strand. No, he's dead, and another guy. It's called Swiss, Swiss Army, Army Man. Man. Yeah. And he's he's dead, and the guy is stranded on an island with this dead body, and he's using the body to like become his friend, but also to like help him do things. Is that Paul Dano in that one? It is Paul Dano. Good 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 call. Mm. Good pickup. Uh, oh, I like Paul Dano. So, so calls it our uh, mysterious uh, bonus figure in the background, spectral. Uh, yeah, I got a thumbs up in the studio over here. Yeah, from the produ- from producer Mike over here. What's going on? <laughs> um, no, it's <laughs> thank you, producer Mike. People don't know what this is. They do know that today on chats we are joined by the man who hands out sports bottles to employees who lose their pension. It's roommate of the podcast, Charlie. Everyone. <laughs> hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Charlie, I think hey. you would do a great job uh, being that guy who's like, I'm sorry you got fired. Here's uh, stickers. <laughs> I would love to do that. I I think it would be hard to deliver the news that they're fired, but I would love... I always have energy for trying to make people feel better. Oh. Like, it, no, but, but it's not quite as good as that. Like, I like when people are a little down because then that energizes me to try to cheer them up. If they're already in a good spot, then it's like, oh. Yeah, what, what use can you provide? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this person's already taken care of. I don't need to make them happier. You're like a <laughs> you're Bella from Twilight. You're here to like fix I'm him. Bella from Twilight. <laughs> I read all those books. You did? Oh, and they've got the new one that's from the perspective of Edward. Really? 
Is it a retelling of the story? It's a retelling of... Wait, you haven't heard about this? Finally, no. a book that's from the perspective of a male. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's so long. The representation is here, and I'm, I'm here for it. Did the Twilight lady write it? It's... uh, Yeah, it kind of has a parallel to, like, there's that Sherlock Holmes show, and... um, No, but about Enola Holmes. Mm. And they're like, oh, maybe we'll spin off one for the Sherlock character from this series. Like there's a there's a Nola Holmes and they're like we're gonna take the Henry Cavill or whatever Sherlock and make him a Sherlock. Who who is Nola Holmes? Real quick, sorry, I feel silly. Sherlock Holmes is I don't know I don't probably sister or something. Oh, it's like a it's like Lady Sherlock played by Henry Cavill. Yeah. What? Wait, wait. Am I wrong here? I don't want to. I don't want to. Sherlock Holmes' sister played by Henry Cavill. <laughs> so Eleven from Stranger Things plays Enola Holmes. Okay, okay, that's the girl. She has like and a cool name. Was... What is her name? She has a cool name. No idea. Let's let's improvise a name while I look up a name, please. Is that Suarez? Her name's Bernit Flanda. I can't. I don't want to tell you what it actually is anymore because that's way better. What is it? Like Judy? It's Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, that's kind of catchy. I knew that from Millie TikTok. Bobby Brown. <laughs> you know that from? I knew a lot of things from TikTok. Oh, oh the listener needs to know it. <laughs> Charlie's drinking tea out of a tie the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> <laughs> what a king! What a, what a king of kings! Tasmanian cup. I used to have a Tasmanian sweatshirt that was my signature in college, <gasps> and I lost it. And my mom got me this cup. It's like, you know. Shout out to Miss Charlie. I didn't Char- know you lost that. Miss Charlie, yeah, it's my mom. I didn't know you lost that sweatshirt. I did. I lost it like one of the last days of college. Oh, oh that sucks. It kind of is fitting, I guess, but it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually it didn't shed, fit very well. I had to get it on. Shed that part of me. Yeah. Um. But Charlie, the the listeners have been clamoring for you. They miss you a lot after your appearance on our Babylon Five commentaries. I'm being serious. Multiple people have been like, "Why do you not bring Charlie back?" Oh, well, that <laughs> that's incredibly nice. I I feel like I'm, you know, I I love talking with you guys. That's nice oh. That people like to hear. Well, we're glad to have you here to talk about Better Off Ted. Um, uh, we are talking this week about season two, episode one, starting a new season. Heck yeah. Uh, the first episode here is Love Blurts. And the second one we're going to discuss after the break is The Lawyer, The Lemur, and The Little Listener. Charlie will be here to discuss Love Blurts, which was written by Kat Lakel and John Hoberg. I forgot to look up what these people have done, but from my experience, everybody who works on this show worked on it. The same 15 shows in Hollywood. That's how it works, baby. Directed by Mikey Fresh. Uh, is originally airing December 8th, 2009. Uh, and Magellan, can you actually do me a favor and read me the summary of this episode, please? In this episode, Viridian tries to play matchmaker for its employees, but the motives are less than altruistic. Ted's and Linda's matches cause friction between the two. And Veronica finds out that she's matched up with Lem. Uh-oh. Uh oh, wacky hijinks ensue. It seems Looks like love's about to blurt. <laughs> I can't believe there was a part where somebody literally said, I blurted it out. And I was like, Really? Love blurt? Like, come on. <laughs> I have a lot of like good things to say about the scripts for both the scripts for both of these episodes, but I feel like the titles are not good. The titles are not, especially the Can second you one. You say the similar thing about the whole show. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, I'm sure you yeah, covered that in depth. What, what, I actually want to get your perspective. So you haven't seen any of the show before, right, Charlie? That's right. So first of all, just the title, 
What What do you think of it? <laughs> Which one, Love Blurts or Better Off Ted? Better Off Ted. Better Off Ted. Um, I think Magellan mentioned this show a while ago before you guys were going to do it. And it was just like, sometimes someone will bring up something and you just have no curiosity. It's just like, yeah. oh, it's called Better Off Ted. Just let, <laughs> no, let no. me not. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. no, no thanks. Let me not think about that. Um, and then, yeah, more I heard about it was Magellan explicitly saying like, the title's bad, but the show is great. And uh, yeah. so, so I, I haven't really had like a virgin opinion of um, the title. <laughs> yeah, virgin. Uh, but this is your first episode that you've ever watched, right? This is my first episode I've watched. What's your general sense of the show, just from this very first episode? <laughs> I I liked it. It's like um, I don't know. It has that kind of quippy, fun pace uh, nope. to it. It's full of jokes. Um, I only knew the actor from uh, Arrested Development, but Portia everybody's funny. I guess I recognized Lem. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I think I had some questions that I think would come out from watching it more of like kind of what level of reality we're on in terms of the mm. science of the show. Yeah, because we've got moss that's gonna grow so quickly that they can't control it yeah and they're gonna fix it in a day and they spent that whole day like worrying about like how much people do or don't want their sperm <laughs> that's just classic <laughs> office comedy i was surprised how grounded this one was in reality i mean that happens to all of us <laughs> <laughs> right but like is it because sci- like in rick and morty like science is also sort of like magic done by smart people um but they, they bring in the themes of, like, I'm a scientist and that informs my character. So, yeah, it's just I have questions about, like, how magical is the mm-hmm. science and how mm-hmm. much are they, like, we do science, you're Ted, you don't quite do science, like, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a little bit of fuzziness because it's not a pilot, um, but I, I enjoyed it. That's good. I, I John, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you feel has changed about the show sort of structurally between seasons because mm. i can tell that there's a difference but i feel like i my personally haven't been able to pinpoint it yet um that's a good question um i think first just to address what charlie oh, was yeah, saying because that's that's a good point about um that i think that actually is a consistent thing that's not clear in the show about whether the like how the science is used because it's sort of like we're scientists and when it's convenient they create science but it's not like in a show like rick and morty the sci-fi is so central to each episode Mm -hmm. and in this show it's it's uh i think rarely so it didn't have to be moss right couldn't it have been sort of yeah it almost didn't yeah it didn't like they had to do so much explaining about why does nasa (laughs) want it to be moss because they're gonna feed the astronauts like they have to write all these lines wait there's some callback that a character had at the end to like it's like the moss that grows too much and then someone was like oh Oh, yeah when it was like (laughs) phil's so virile that his yeah his relatives grow like moss. oh yeah and it's like oh that's how it's tied together it's like a yeah, it's very tenuous. <laughs> but there I think there are some episodes that do it more, but then there's some where they're just like these are these guys just happen to like stand around in a lab and wear lab coats and they're <laughs> and they're nerds, but like the science is not the yeah, most Yeah, we're not seeing thing. them do science or like come to scientific conclusions because the show Sometimes already Sometimes we are, but mostly we aren't. Yeah. Yes, yes. It, it it feels like maybe like John was saying that they'll subvert 
like they're really gone for for jokes sort of like arrested development or something yeah and that's their primary goal yeah, I want to briefly uh, close the loop on a joke that I started on Twitter that you also just referenced a second ago. Charlie called the show Quippy, and uh, I recently came in contact with the infamous Quibi train uh, in my travels. Um, people know about Quibi. It was a, it was a you, I know you said Quippy, Quibi. We're doing a joke here. It's a bit, okay? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, okay. please. <laughs> uh, there's a train in Boston that still hasn't been, like, they haven't removed the advertising paint from it. That is 100% decked out in ads for Quibi, a service that no longer exists uh, because it was shut down. So, well, you can actually still go. I checked. Um, you can still sign up for like a, a account and a subscription, but just all the different ads for these like 60 second shows. It's an interesting premise. It just, it's a good example of like, wow, you really did just release a, sh- uh, a service designed for people on like commutes during a pandemic. <laughs> so nobody's yeah. interested in it, but. It had some good shows. I feel like better off. But the reason I bring that up to, to link it back, though, is I think uh, Phil and Lem's like science adventures would make for a great Quibi series. Just like 60 mm-hmm. seconds, mm-hmm. like they hang out yeah, in the lab could. and they come up with something interesting and you're like, wow. And you laugh and move on with yeah. your life. There was like a short, very short lived trend. I feel like around this time where network sitcoms would have like webisodes web or webisodes. Oh, and that yeah. feels like a webisode that could have happened. Um, but to go back now, Alan, to what you asked about, like changes from season one to season two, mm-hmm. um, I also felt that there was something different. I don't know if there was something different about the camera, maybe like it looked slightly different or the colors look slightly different, mm-hmm. but I think maybe the biggest difference is just that it feels tighter than a lot of the episodes in season one. Like both of these episodes I think are pretty efficient and and actually have a lot jammed into them like when i first watched uh this episode towards the end of it i was like is this have i been watching like a 40 minute pilot and then i checked and only 18 minutes had gone by (laughs) and i was like whoa they they really jammed a lot of stuff into this episode um so i don't know i think it just it feels it feels a lot tighter, the, the plotting of both of these episodes than maybe it did in some of the episodes of season one. But that could also just be the benefit of like when it's an episode early in the season, it probably gets more eyes on it and goes through more drafts. So, totally. I don't know. No, it feels like such an incredibly tight script. Like there's no time for people to walk or breathe between takes. Like it's difficult for me when I'm trying to take notes and right away we're already like, all right, we're doing genetic engineering. It's romantic. Ted's making jokes. Here we go. The Constitution is a fun suggestion. Like, all that happens in the first, like, 30 seconds of the episode, and you're like, ah, that's, like, 24 yeah. minutes or whatever for them to just jam jam it, jam it packed. And I, I definitely felt like this was one of the densest episodes we watched. And that, that was, like, for me, what made it so different from watching a pilot as my first episode mm-hmm. was trying to figure out who everyone was while processing these jokes was, like, actually too much for my brain yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had to like rewatch the jokes because they just like what it's, it's yeah i i actually decided to take a lot less notes on these two than i did in season one because i was like i can't i can't track everything i have to give up trying to write down everything that makes me laugh yes um i mostly write down lines because uh i need to find things to call you guys and that makes it much easier for me but it yeah i might need, might consider doing that as well because I mean yeah. these are pretty straightforward episodes in terms of plot. I mean the genetic uh, testing 
occupies the entire episode and everybody's plot lines. Each individual character gets something to do with it. Um, basically, Vrini Dynamics determined which members of the company uh, work well together or genetically and should date and should have children and how many children they should have or not have in the case of mm-hmm. Bill. And uh, could I say, I spent some time, you're shown a poster of all the matches at the start. And I did spend a couple minutes looking up, like trying to figure out who all the names were. Because oh. they have like 20 or 30 names on there. And the the only like relevant ones for the plot are like the Tay Diggs matchup and the Ted matchup. Yes. But then they just dumped all of the crew and writers mm. into like every other name slot. That's awesome. Which, like creates these interesting questions about like like the crew and the writers straddle the fictional and non fictional worlds where the actors and their characters are only in one. Mm. And it's yeah. also that makes me wonder like how intentional were the choices that they made yeah. when they designed the poster. Yeah, they had like the creator matched with an associate producer as his number one genetic mating match. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like what yeah what kind of like politics? Yeah, what are you what's, saying what's here what's the guys? art department doing <laughs> what <laughs> comments are they making there it's it's it that i didn't pick up on that but i'm sure yeah like some intern or somebody like meticulously chose which one of those to match with which just for people like because it's you know it's 09 so people can pause things more easily now mm-hmm. between dvds and, got TiVo. and tivo yeah between dvd yeah. streaming and all yeah. that uh so i think that's that's a funny thing to catch um uh, but the main characters who find out about their matches are uh, Ted, who is matched with a woman named Danielle. Uh, Linda, who dis- who matches with a, a man named, I believe, is this Greg? Yeah, Greg. God bless. <laughs> we finally got a Greg, uh, who's played by <laughs> who's played by the incredible Tay Diggs, star of one of my favorite vines of all time. Uh, Phil, who is told that he <laughs> what vine is Tay Diggs? It's the one where he's like, now. Hey everyone, you may wonder why I'm so, but people like consider me such an incredibly handsome. And like as he says handsome, he's like walking forward, and then he trips on a table and falls oh. forward. <laughs> that's Tay Diggs. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That's a classic Tay Diggs vine. Yeah. I like that. Um, and then we have Phil, who's told that he shouldn't have children because uh, of reasons he finds out. And then Lem, who is told that he should uh, give Veronica his baby juice. I they say it, not me, guys. Um. Uh. So which one of these were you interested in the most? Which one do we want to talk about first? Give me the, give me the juice. Ted, Phil, and Lem. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's well, talk about... Oh, you got something, Charlie? Well, I know. just... At, at some point, I want to make a plug to just talk about the overarching like eugenics going on. In this yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yes, yes. Let's but but maybe that we do that. No, do it. Let's do it now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so forceful. I, mean, I love. You know, it's just one of those little things uh, that the entire episode is structured around. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it really is. Uh, you're talking about just the idea that the company is like, let's breed people to have the most healthy children possible. Yeah, based yeah. on this kind of uh, obfuscated, you know, process. Like yeah. what is what are they actually selecting for, uh, with the matching? Because the idea of like genetic matching for like kid strength, you know, what are you don't know if they're really doing that. Yeah, it's better off. Ted as a show has this tendency to have like plots that 
in another sitcom are just so like cute sitcom plots like uh oh everybody got matched up oh no <laughs> i gotta go on a date with greg right. <laughs> but they have to get to it through like these really pernicious justifications <laughs> of, like oh i gotta date greg because the company's trying to save money on my health care or whatever <laughs> and sometimes it does uh feel really weird to suspend your disbelief and be like okay i'll let that part go to have this like cute plot happen right it's it's like they really like we were talking about in that that season one episode where they all uh have to move cubicles and it's like you just wanted to do an episode where they live together like you're using the premise of a of a corporation that's like forcing its employees to do stuff as a way to just make sitcom plots happen so this one is definitely like what if we dated random people wouldn't what would that mean about us and what does that make us think about who we're interested in Right. And it ultimately doesn't, I mean, not to dwell on this too much, but I think a big criticism of ours from the um, season one finale was about how the like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like the premise that is the basis of the episode is not commented upon later. Yeah. So like nothing about the matches is used as a way to comment upon like, what does a corporation think when they think about who's like compatible yeah. Except for the fact that, like, Greg is weird, I guess. Yeah. But- it just gets us started, and it's never, like, somebody's watching to make sure. I mean, that could have been a fun bit of, like, yeah. there's some guy, like, poking around the corner on their date, and it's like the company wants to make sure that we procreate. Yeah. Um, Th- that's my. The company doesn't care. They just put out a board, and then they're like, go, have go have fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess they are pushing Veronica to, like, quickly get Lem's. Uh, Loved you, <laughs> but but even that feels like it's it's Veronica who's like the one who's the problem instead of the company. Isn't know? Veronica the company though? Well, she's like yeah. I think we've yeah we've had that conversation that she's representative of the company at times, but also sometimes it's just like wouldn't it be funny if Porsche Rossi demanded your sperm? <laughs> yes, it would. And uh, I have no nope no further comments. Um, anyways, <laughs> so let, yeah. what Let's I was gonna say is class. I think my biggest oh, ahead, disappointment sorry. with this episode, especially compared to the second one, is the best better off Ted episodes. Uh, like the thing you're talking about, the episode premise, if you will, uh, relates mm-hmm. to something that's happening in real life really closely and just takes it to it takes it to its natural conclusion. Mm. And Charlie, I don't know how much like office experience you have. You can speak to that yourself, but uh, I'm not. My work environment's definitely not doing stuff like this. But they are, for example, uh, uh, you know, discouraging women from going on maternity leave for extended periods, uh, mm-hmm. and kind of like putting that onus on you. Like, what? You, well, you had the child. You didn't have to have the child. That sort of thing. That not like my workplace specifically, but that's more of a common corporate practice. Yeah. I mean, uh, where, where, where I work, uh, they definitely try to encourage people like to do the health training because then maybe they'll save on health insurance. Yeah. Like that is that kind of thing where we're like, we're on your side. We want you to be healthy so that we can save money. Yeah, that's um, true. That's a good point. Uh, so I, I saw there's some, there's some like, okay, this is heightening something that I recognize. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's definitely the like we put gyms at Google so that people don't get fat and then they don't have to have right. diabetes and don't have to pay for that treatment that sort of thing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. But um, Majan, what you're I think thinking? there's also um, maybe I don't know what the like dating online dating situation landscape looked like in 2009. So maybe there wasn't like a developed 
uh, sort of take on it yet, but there's also something in like this faceless entity or technology is like, like, I think if this episode was made now, it wouldn't be a board that somebody put out. It would be like, oh, the company put together an app or a website that yeah. like matches you. And that feels like maybe just because it was in 2009 and they weren't like that preoccupied with that stuff. But it feels like a sort of missed way to directly map this onto our current environment and the current way that we interact with technology and interact with the corporate world through dating right 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 right. yeah they're interested in who you're dating right um but let's let's pick one of these plots i mean i kind of just want to talk about tay diggs (laughs) i want to talk about greg i I, yeah it's very handsome man he is very 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 handsome that's true um linda linda and ted agree to not take part in any of this genetic matching stuff and they're like both like shake on it and they're like all right cool sounds good and then immediately he comes up to her and is like hi i'm greg and i'm attracted to you and she's like "Ooh," <laughs> and she basically tells him like i'm not i don't really want to do the thing and he's like well neither did i and then i saw you and i thought that you're beautiful and she's like damn it you're charming <laughs> <laughs> this sucks uh, i hate it when people are charming to me don't ever be charming um, I only like uh, weird, cold distance and uh, stern, <laughs> stern talking tos. Um, but anyway, she ends up going along with it and asks uh, Greg out. And this plot, like, I don't know, this could have been something meaningful. But what it really is, and maybe we can dig into like what they're trying to say. But on the surface, it is she likes him. He seems really normal. And then at dinner, he reveals that he too uh, blows off steam by doing different small acts of rebellion outside of work. Instead of stealing creamer, he dresses as a bear and goes into the woods and fights. I thought people. you were you were alluding to this with the Magellan intro of like he's got he'd look good with a tail. Is that is that what we were doing then? Uh, no, the looking good well, with the, a tail I think is from the second episode. Yeah, in the second episode, there's a whole <laughs> thing where Linda <laughs> drew this like lemur character that uh, like, basically looks like Phil with a tail. Okay, and, so they're just doing a someone in that writing staff has like <laughs> they really like animals. No, yeah, they're furry. And, they're wearing an animal yeah. costume when they're talking about I would look good with a tail. Are you kidding me? It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2009, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, we just, they're like, well, the economy's in the toilet. I guess we're all gonna become furries. This seems like a good idea. Um, this, I, I, I was, I think I just ended up really liking this plot and liking Greg because Tay Diggs is so charming. Yes. Like the moment where he yeah. steps off the elevator and he's like, maybe we'll go to the park and gives that little smile. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, okay. Wow. Um, but when you think about it, you know, sitcoms only have a few ways to kind of screw up like a one episode date and I find it less interesting when it's like they're weird as opposed to when it's like the Seinfeld thing of like there's one thing that's kind of wrong with them yeah. and then the main character is so neurotic and terrible yeah. that they're in proportion. Yeah. Yeah. And Scrubs will do that. Or yeah. Like yeah. yeah I, I had that same I had that feeling with both of the ways that these go awry. Um, I know we're not on the other one but, but like that they were both sort of um, yeah don't match up with how like relationships or first dates kind of fail mm-hmm. in real life. And also like I I felt like it wasn't quite earned for him to have the bear thing. Like just to plant any small 
early thing. Maybe it was right. there and I missed it. But right. like in his first conversation, be like, raw, or you know, he's got like <laughs> a ring or a sh- an undershirt. Yeah. It's just like any tiny thing. <laughs> At dinner, he's shoving his hand into a pot of honey. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's just got his hand. <laughs> Because uh, cause it, it really felt like they're like, what would be the funniest <laughs> thing? But yeah. what's funnier is when you kind of get there step by step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is there That's is a certain truth to all of these plot lines, right? Like there's something to relate to if you really dig, if you really take digs into it. Because, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you think they're amazing and beautiful and they flirt with you and you feel really loved and, and cared for. And then they just have that one hobby or a habit that you're like this is irreconcilable this is the one thing you do like Tadix is ostensibly a perfect match for her that's the the company determined except for this one thing but she just can't get over it. like you're talking about it's like her one neuroses but in this case it happens to be <laughs> just so absurd so patently fully absurd that mm-hmm. uh you know even in our current world where everything is so weird and topsy-turvy I can't like believe and he's this so bad about bringing it up yeah he's so charming and like (laughs) empathetic and aware and everything else he does and then just misses all of her like yeah (laughs) like i'm okay with this a real a normal like a real life person would have maybe if if this happened they did this they would mention it once and then they would get the vibe and be like okay i'm not going to talk about this again because she thinks i'm weird yeah yeah he seems so emotionally intelligent before yeah but then the, the, the capper of this one being that they're like, oh, yeah, so he got uh, hit with a tranquilizer dart in the park and <laughs> he's going to be out of work for a while <laughs> was incredible. Yeah, it ends up being fun. But it, it, you know, when you do dig into it, it's like, hmm. Tay digs, Tay digs. When you, when you Tay digs into it, it's like that could have made more sense. Just a little teensy bit. But I also really, really wish that we got to see him in a bear costume or like. He comes into work yeah. early and he's got the the gloves on and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm just let me take these off really quickly." Um, yeah. Just something, guys. I'm sure you have a bear costume somewhere on the set. A real like show don't tell, missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually liked uh, Linda as she related to Ted's plot. I think her like bullying of him was was entertaining, um, mm. especially with how it concluded. Uh, so basically, Ted uh, ends up with this woman, Danielle, who is, like Magellan was re- referring to earlier, just thin Linda. Like, she is exactly Linda, but, like, slightly. I, I didn't say thin no, Linda. No, I'm saying, no, <laughs> you said thin Lizzie. No, I, I'm saying thin Linda. We were talking pre-show, and I said she's just another wayfish blonde woman. Yes. Um, yeah. She Yes, she basically looks so much like Linda that it's, I, I thought it was supposed to be funny, but also it's just casting being like, uh, <laughs> yeah it's hard to tell if it's purposeful or if someone's just like this like is... if you're doing that purposeful again like there's just the tiniest of cues to be like this was on you gotta hang a hat like like it. have yeah. them standing next to each other and you and be like, like look back and forth between yeah yeah. yeah yeah name her londa 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 blonda um i it's so funny to me so this plot made me uncomfortable. Of course, of course. We, we can talk about it. But before that, when Ted's first meeting her, it was so funny to me. It's like, huh, my dream girl. Let's think. She likes chili dogs and Caddyshack. <laughs> that's, that's how I know she's the girl for me. Um, I think I think he just likes like, Sonic the Hedgehog. Have those yeah, come up so. before? No. No. Oh, yeah. no. No, 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 no. It's completely <laughs> random. Not um, even slightly. 
but um yeah. he uh, yeah again everything goes great until and this one felt like something out of a well until it got weird which is where it becomes better off ted it felt like some sort of 2000s or 90s rom-com where it's like oh my god the twist is i accidentally said i love you and then yeah this feels like something chandler would do or something yeah, like yeah. and that's the first level but then this this plot line just descends <laughs> And by the time we're in like level four or five of it, I'm just weeping, begging the episode to end because I <laughs> yeah. want to climb out. This becomes like, you know, uh, veep levels of like, stop talking, please stop talking. I don't want to listen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just like when, when a character goes this deep into the grift uh, towards someone who's like totally innocent, it really makes me upset. Yeah. Especially yeah. when the grift is hella racist. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, I, uh... Right. My dad is constantly telling us, like, he was so upset after School of Rock because he hates, hates, hates comedies where the premise is that the main character is, like, lying the whole time. Oh, yeah. Like, that's how they get into the situation. And I was thinking about that, watching this, of, like, why do they do that so, 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 so much in rom-coms and shows? And it's because you can get into, like, a really wacky situation Mm -hmm. if it's, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm making it up as I go along. And you can go, like, really wild places yeah. with it but it, it's another thing that doesn't match up with any like real relationship or somebody you know it just doesn't it's, yeah it's just a rom-com thing this yeah, is... nobody would nobody would make up that many native american words <laughs> no i mean this is like this you know i've seen like our relationships where people talk about stuff similar to this or like i've been lying to my wife for 10 years my name's not phil it's ted or whatever i can't believe i just randomly pulled two names from the show <laughs> uh, that's incredible no but People do stuff like this, but not to this extent. So basically, um, when he says, I love you, he corrects himself uh, and says, I actually said, I love Utah. And uh, he, Danielle naturally is like, well, that's really weird. Why'd you say that? And he's like, because it's where my family's from. I'm, he says, uh, he says Indian, but we know that times have changed. And he's talking about Native Americans, baby. Here we go. And uh, that should be the end of it, right? No. Instead, she's fascinated by his culture and asks him to say all the different words. And not only that, but she like pushes him on it in the office. She'd be like, oh, can you say hello to me again? Like the way, say it the way your people say it. Just like, she's <laughs> pretty racist here too. Just being like, that's sort of like yeah. benevolent racism that I've encountered in my own life where someone's like, can you speak Arabic? Can you say my name in Arabic? Like, I like the way it sounds in your language. That's a real thing that people do. Yeah. Uh, but no, he just leans further and further into the bit and, you know, Again, the thing that's a little bit relatable is when you have a sort of like comedic rift with your partner and then you introduce them to your coworkers and they're like, dude, what? What are you saying? Why does she believe that about you? Yeah. Uh, because Linda quickly latches onto this and like starts teasing Ted in front of Danielle and eventually uh, breaking down his grift in front of her, which mm-hmm. is very fun. I think the other thing about plots like this that always bugs me where the character gets into it by lying is that they're just so bad at explaining themselves too. Like when Ted is like, okay, I'm not actually Indian. He doesn't fully explain the entire process of like (laughs) why he was pretending to be. Yeah. And so not that he could have salvaged things, but I think he could have made her feel a lot better about the situation. And said, he was like, no, I'm It's cute. Right. Yeah, I think he literally says, like, ah, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I guess I'm leaning into this. Yeah. Ted does a lot of stuff in these both of these episodes where he's like, oh, I made a mistake. Well, I guess we're leaning in. We're going. We're doubling down. Like, yeah. 
he's getting more comfortable with with uh, not own not owning up to his mistakes, but instead just burying himself in them, which you know yeah, is funny. Yeah, these usually. episodes he's kind of manipulative, which mm-hmm, sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the joke after joke of like Ted say this word and then he like makes up a bunch of words and it's just oof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes the show is dated. It's fine. Um, I just recently saw somebody, a Native American person on Twitter, who is like. There are, you know, ways to sort of rank good representation of their people in television and film and was like going down the list of all the different examples. And like the highest score that a TV show can get is like having two of them, having two Native American characters. That's all you need to do because then everything else falls into place. Then like you're not guessing uh, how they talk because you just have them on the show and you're not like trying to write plot lines about evil burial grounds because they wouldn't do that. Like it's. Yeah, it's really not yeah. that hard to just hire people who know who have lived the experience, uh, and to like give them those writing roles or acting roles. But it's where we're at with, uh, and it's and again, it's 09. So like, this is a lot more of just it's more funny to watch him uh, fumble than it is to critique yeah. what the show is trying to say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I did really like uh, Linda being like, "Oh, Ted, what did you say about her?" Her, I don't think they're fake. Oh my God, Ted! <laughs> and then Daniel's like, "That was pretty funny." Boobs. He's like, "No, you're tennis balls." <laughs> I was talking so, about tennis balls. I have a question, Charlie. So this is your first time watching an episode. Did you? How did you read the Ted Linda relationship? Um, it it seemed like from the start they were like, "This is this is the main relationship. This is gonna be." The will they won't they that they'll keep us in mm-hmm. for a while like you know I but but that's partly because I like Michelle and I watched so much Community this summer that like we kind of internalize all of these things that they do in a show like that yeah so yeah it, it's just like and and the way it's set up where it's like we have two guest characters and we've got Ted and Linda and they're both with guest characters and they're both like we're not we're both together not dating and then linda gives him that little look right as they cut away from that scene like yeah it seemed pretty pretty much like they're shipping them yeah that's what i found kind of strange about this episode so that is the case that that they're that um but in the pilot of the show what they reveal is like Linda and Ted are into each other and they're almost going to start something. But then Ted is like, oh, I've used up my one office affair. Because he has this rule about like, I don't want to like sleep around the office. Yeah. And it turns out that his one office affair, they cut to him having sex with Veronica. Oh. And that is like a whole thing. So, and then the whole first season is like, oh, back and forth. She has a boyfriend now, whatever. And then in this episode, they're both single and they're both like, ah, oh, they didn't match us together. Oh, well. And then he goes and has sex with somebody else in the office. And it's like, Ted, what <laughs> happened to this whole thing? Yeah, we hard reset Ted suddenly. <laughs> it's so weird. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even consider the fact that they just abandoned that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I guess I know. So that was part of his development at the end of last season, though, was being like, maybe that was stupid. Yeah, like maybe I'm ready to get out there again or something. Like Immediately, his, episode his one. His wife like, left him and his daughter. Yeah, he yeah. was talking about his... Oh, that's why he blurted. That's why he loved blurted is because <laughs> yeah. the last time he likes up with someone was exactly. his wife. Yeah, that's why he loved blurted. I hate it when I love blurt. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, the Ted stuff, it, I, I felt okay about it. Again, I, I can still accept that the show is old and like laugh at these jokes. I, I understand why they're funny and how they're funny. Um, yeah. But it's a lot of it is like, uh, like you just have to kind of gloss over it because it doesn't, it's an old joke. Um, so we did Linda, we did Ted. Uh, let's talk about Phil and Lem. Yeah. So Phil's pretty simple. The company emails him, but he's married, so he's not on the board. And then the company emails him and is like, hey, you are entitled to a free double-click vasectomy. Wait a minute. And then he's spending the whole episode like, why don't they want me to have kids? Oh, my gosh. the mime. It's pretty much just a joke machine of a plot um, where he's like, oh, the Maimon family is so pathetic. Um, they were using as then, ammo in wars. They would like yeah. throw us at a cannon. <laughs> yeah. And then they find out at the end when Veronica helps him get his medical records that it's because he's incredibly virile and he would just have too many kids for the company to provide uh, health care to, which is kind of a cute little capper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a masculine, what know. a masculinity thing to be like, Oh yeah, I got the good nut. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Kind of boils down to that, which is again so funny to me. Remembering that the guy who plays Phil is a gay man, that it's just like, oh, he makes good babies. <laughs> like I feel like <laughs> they kind of re- coyly yeah. reference that a lot in the series. But um, well, he, not to you know stereotype too much, but I, I really thought like, oh, okay, this is like a gay character yeah. on the show. Um, As we understand it, none of that's because Phil's married to a wife who hates him and reads his his checks or whatever. We learn in the second episode here. Uh, and then uh, we have determined that Lem is probably bisexual, at least, or questioning, because he definitely flirts with and loves Phil, but also has sex with women, and uh, you never... Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, but it's all that kind of 2009, like... What a, it's in the subtext. Yeah. Know, We're just so. bros. We just love hanging out with each other and be calling each other bros, unless... Unless... Yeah. JD and Turk ruined straight friendship. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, because I always forget that the show is like at the end of Scrubs, you know, historic, like timeline yeah. wise, this is coming out when Scrubs is in like season eight or nine at this yeah. point. Right. Um, but then, yeah, Lem uh, is told to to give his well, he's he's told to basically, quote unquote, breed with with Veronica. But she's like not interested in having sex with you. She makes this whole joke about like, uh, you know, I'd rather do like seven other things with my life than ever. Oh, I like that joke. Did anybody write it down? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I thought it was fine. Like, um, I don't remember all of them. It was like fall in love and have a kid, adopt, steal one of my sister's kids, uh, and then like cut out my ovaries and sail around the yeah, world. Yeah, there it is. Like that. I just like when they. It's like rule of five. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like when it's just after too, rule of three. Many pieces yeah. of the joke. Yeah, but she's like, instead of that, I want you to give me your sperm. He doesn't feel comfortable with it because he's like, what if I wanted to be this with someone else? What if the kid isn't good because the kid that we have is going to be angry and assertive and shitty? Uh, and then she defends Phil, uh, I believe, when she tries stealing his medical records. My favorite line of this episode comes here when they go to the doctor's office or whatever the doctor's area, mm-hmm. and uh, she's asking for the records, and Phil's in the back like, uh, this must be what a big... <laughs> This must be what a baby lion feels like when his mom goes up to the receptionist at the doctor's office to steal his medical records. It's <laughs> <laughs> such an, a silly lion. Yeah. Um, but she takes it I and love- then Lem is like, yeah. wow, you're so you're actually a good maternal figure. I do want to be with you. And she's like, never mind. I don't care. 
and he gives her a cup well, of her nut, his nut, and then it's like yeah, the nasty he, people are there. He, he comes in and he's like, here's a cup of my sperm. You earned it. And she's like, Lem, you remember the guys from NASA? You're <laughs> <laughs> in the room. I would resign. I would resign. Yeah. <laughs> and he's pretty chill about it, right? Yeah. He's like, hey. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, I I think my favorite scene was when uh, he goes into the men's room and she sees him go in and then without missing a beat she follows him yeah. in there and is like berating him while he's peeing. Um, I don't know. This was just a really fun plot to see Portia de Rossi be like severe and smiling the whole time and I don't know, like just doing the the character that she like is best at doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. She's wonderful. She's incredible, and I still think she's one of the best characters on the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's a, it's an opportunity for Lem, especially contrasting with him in the second one, being like uh, passive and like wanting something but not knowing why and, and questioning himself like that. I like. I thought I thought this plot was good, and and also the Veronica wanting the child. We we actually get a little bit of like legitimate character development from her. Uh, which is that her daughter, her her sister had a child recently, and she held the child. She was like, "I saw, it took everything in my willpower not to take it, and then I, <laughs> I gave it back because I don't want to. Ch- I don't want that child, to, but I don't want my sister to have something." Um, yeah, I, I think somewhere in there you see like the downside of having such a packed episode because she is mm-hmm. convinced to do a one eighty on all of that stuff by Ted. And he basically, like, listens to her say two lines about, like, this is what it actually means to me. And he's like, hey. Got it. (laughs) Or whatever. And, like, he's like, yeah, you do you. And then she's like, we don't. I feel like that's when you need a beat for her to, like, have a moment and, like, really think about it and get fired up about changing her mind. But you really just do that. And then the show is like, okay, now she's uh, flipped and she's going. And it just doesn't feel, like, emotionally honest. That's that's I yeah. think part of the reason why Simon Jump, why the show doesn't focus too much on like earnest character development is that they opt instead to go for like all jokes all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally don't have runtime to do it. Right, right. They, yeah. they they don't have time for both and I I, I get that. Um you were going to say Magellan? Well, I was just going to say what you were going to say. Oh, well there oh. you go. I said it first. I win. Prize I have a couple of lines that I really liked if we want to do a roundup of funny lines. Round them up. Scoop them up for me. I don't have that many lines, so I'd love to hear yours. The, scoop, 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 scoop. <laughs> the first two minutes were so tightly packed with amazing lines. Like uh, when it's like, just because it says we in front of it doesn't mean it's great. And then Ted's like, remember we pension rollbacks? <laughs> and, and <laughs> they bring back like, a couple well, of lines. That was fun. Phil's like, oh, that was fun until they rolled back our pensions. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Yeah. Um, and then I really liked, it's kind of cutesy, but the line where um, Veronica's like, okay, well, Mr. Cynical, are you happy now? And Ted says, well, technically, Mr. Cynical can't be happy. It's his gift and his curse. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I think my favorite line of the episode is when Veronica's like, anything that starts with we is just a fun suggestion, like the Constitution with we the people. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Oh, and my other favorite line was when Phil was listing, saying he couldn't access his medical records and was listing all of the in, the organizations that could, which is another rule of five moment. Because <laughs> he's like, the company, other insurance companies, my bank, whatever. And for some reason, the RNC, <laughs> which is the only moment of like political stuff that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, 
you know, just you just gotta pour one out for the homie Alex Trebek right now oh. on the line where Veronica's naming all the cities in Utah, oh, yeah. which is pretty funny. And then Ted's like, "It's easy to play Jeopardy at home with your clothes on," <laughs> which is a funny line. And also, you know, accurate. Rest in peace. And also, rest in peace to the goat. Rest in peace. Yeah. I- oh, and then the, sorry. And then there's this really weird line where, like, Ted and Lem were talking about sperm, and oh, yeah. Lem was like, "I've never. How am I supposed to look my sperm in the eye or whatever?" And he's like, "I've never, whatever." But abandoned I once, it. but I once abandoned it at a bus stop when I was a teenager or something. And it's like, what? <laughs> so he like jacked off at a bus stop. Hopefully, is that is that what we're making canon for the character of Lem? <laughs> I thought it was that there was a trucker who came by and he like had made love with the trucker or something. Oh, maybe. I don't know. know. There was a line in the second episode that one of them says uh, that I was like, hold on. I paused and I was like, hold on. I'm writing this down. They're never going to address this. This was crazy, but we'll talk about it. (laughs) Uh, And it was actually also a film of a Phil and Len line. So that's funny. Yeah. But that's all I got. really. Yeah. Uh, And then also the, just the capper on the episode being, that he comes up with a co- or I think Linda like says something to him and it's a complicated word and she's like it means this whole long complicated sentence about how I'm sorry for bothering like making your life difficult and she's mm-hmm. like that's what that word means a simple word for a complex idea and it's like better off Ted you know you clearly know you're doing something kind of like racially questionable it's like if the only thing that they didn't do was make a joke of like we used every part of the blank uh because you're just doing uh, the like yeah. same three Native American jokes that everyone does, which is like, oh, they have yeah, a word. Veronica right. says, like, I bet you're a great tracker or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. And there's something I, I say this correctly. Like when we were talking about, like, okay, they have a lot of like a kind of like blonde white woman, and they're, I guess, uh, at least with the two main characters in the cast like that, they're very, very different. Yes. They're very distinct. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about having like, well, it's good to have like two Native American characters or like two of, you know, any group. Yeah. It lets you show that there's like no one type of person in any group. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And yeah, that's like kind of a missed opportunity to, to, to diversify the types of characters within a group only for this group that is already so well represented. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that's like an advanced thing to tell this. 11 11 year old show but yeah no i mean how much how much did that come up in the conversation around the election where it's like there's no singular black vote like not every black person votes the same or thinks the same um these are concepts that we've internalized but it's just it just takes a long time you know it's frustrating but that's why that's partly why i think representation really matters is it puts those ideas in people's heads and in the future when you start thinking about it more critically you're like oh i can't uh i'm noticing that i'm I'm, I'm aware of that and acknowledging it um I give this episode a three out of five. <laughs> John, what's your star rating? Season two of Better Off uh, Chats, we we're doing star rating. We don't rating. do that. We don't do star rating. It's season ratings. two of Better Off Chats, baby. Let's get it. No, I'm not doing okay, that. Okay, I give it a three out of five. Push, no, put it on the screen. Every every episode, Alan gives a rating, and Magellan says, I, 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 I don't do that. <laughs> well, I have the audio clip of it now, so that's perfect. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you, Charlie. For joining us yeah, here thanks, on, on the oh thank you so it was so fun to watch this episode it was really odd and uh full of fun jokes yeah definitely um a, a very like i said a very dense episode to discuss but a, a wonderful discussion nonetheless uh charlie first off is there anything you'd like to plug is there anything i'd like to plug 
Uh, not really. I I had the last month a a piece in McSweeney's and a and a piece in the New Yorker before that that are both short humor pieces, and it's nice when people read those. Um, I'm gonna link the shit out of those. Oh yeah, okay. If they can be links, that's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my plug. Okay. Do you have a chatsum for this week though, Charlie? Um, I hope I didn't say this like months and months ago when I was on, but um, lying on your back in your room listening to music and looking at the ceiling is an incredible like reset slash antidote i think like meditation just feels like such a a big step uh but you can get sort of a similar mind clearing like not getting the dopamine hit from my phone feeling from lying on your back listening to a couple great songs looking at the ceiling ideally ceiling fan on Ooh. looking at the static ceiling fan is kind of like uh, takes a little bit away from yes right. um that's my chat something i hope i didn't say it before no i don't think you did i think you're good uh and we're okay with rechats especially when they're good but i was just writing that one down i actually wasn't looking at my phone while you were talking i was instead writing down <laughs> yeah no no no. I, no I know. um Perfect. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, We'll be back after a brief musical break to discuss The Lawyer, The Lemur, and The Little Listener. Viridian Dynamics, our team, over 100,000 strong. And we love all of them. Unless they cross us, then we'll hunt them down and hurt them. Because that's love, too. Viridian Dynamics. Don't cross us, ever. Seriously, just don't. Welcome back to Better Off Chats. The second episode we watched this week was Season 2, Episode 2 of Better Off Ted, entitled The Lawyer, The Lemur, and The Little Listener. It was written by Tim Doyle, directed by Chris Kolk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank throwback you. for all the chats room fans. Chris Kolk. Uh, it originally aired December 15th, 2009. Alan, what happened in The Lawyer, The Lemur, and The Little Listener? It's fun to say. It's an annoying title, but it's fun to say. Yeah, it feels like it's a real uh, tongue twister. The Lawyer, The Lemur, and The Little Listener. In this episode, when a wave of layoffs hit Viridian and Little Rose seems to have inside info because of a friend in her Hive playgroup, did not know, by the way, that the kids' school is called The Hive. That's awesome. Um, yeah. uh, Veronica tries to pump her for information much to Ted's disapproval meanwhile Linda is elated to sell her first children's book until someone points out that her lead character a lemur is the spitting image of Phil and Lem starts a passionate affair with one of the company lawyers only to find out that his paycheck is being docked for the quote billable hours that he's spending with his new girlfriend <laughs> so I want to come out and say dude I yeah. thought this episode was excellent yeah, I thought it was good. I think on my first, I watched both these episodes twice, which has become my custom for this show. And I think the first time through, I liked the first episode more. And my second time through, I liked this one more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think this one holds up more to like repeat viewings. Exactly. I, I think the first one makes sense. On your first watch, you're like, okay, I understand like genetic stuff. And we talked all all of those jokes and how they work or sometimes don't work. But this one is like, I think 
feel like this is one of the tightest scripts that the show has had. It really just like remembers what the show is about. It remembers what makes it funny. Uh, it has good lines, good premises. We're going to different sets. We introduce back all the new characters. We're referencing past moments of the season. It just mm-hmm. works. It's just a very successful episode. Um, yeah, I was happy with it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's definitely a fun one, uh, but it also, <laughs> I think the one thing you could say about it that is to its detriment is that the plots. I can't. I couldn't tell you how they relate to each other. Right. Um, right. 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 To the point where obviously the title is, it's like, uh, shoot. The I guess A, the, the B, only, and the C. I guess the only thing that unites these is that you can make them alliterative. But otherwise, there's no like common theme. And you can make uh, anything alliterative if you want to. Yeah. Whereas the first episode, at least all of the plots are sort of stemming from a common premise. This one is just sort of like, we had three ideas and did them all at once. And they're all good. They're all fun. But... uh I think that's why, to me, it didn't stick with me as much the first time around, because I would have a hard time, I mean, just from the length of the summary, right? Like, the summary of this one had to be twice as long. It's hard to sort of say in a sentence what this episode is is about. Um, it's it's I, three yeah. very distinct, barely connected plots. I agree. Yeah. I'm, uh, did, did you see any sort of common thread among them? I don't, I don't know that there was one. Maybe this episode should have been called Secrets and Lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's maybe we can try to piece that together as we talk through them. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, I think. Yeah. Which one do you which, want? Which do you want to talk about? The lawyer, the lemur, or the little listener? Uh, let's go in that order. Let's talk about the lawyer. Someone yeah. Nadine. So the episode starts with possibly one of my favorite scenes from. Ooh, Better yeah. Dead just speaking ever. of starting episodes strong. Oh my god! This is our thumbnail, by the way. Oh my god! This whole scene. This we're in the elevator with Phil and Lem and a woman who we don't know yet, and then Lem and the woman just start furiously making out with each other in the elevator, and then she gets off and leaves. Phil is so unhappy, so sad, so crestfallen (sighs) to see the love of his life, uh, you know, pawing this woman, and (laughs) the exchange is so. Well written and well performed, where Lem is like, "So that's Nadine," <laughs> and Phil's like, "Oh, so you know each other? Good, <laughs> that's good." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was so so funny. It it works on every level, like just the randomness yeah. of like you know, imagine yourself in Phil's position. It's eight a.m. You're in the elevator with your best friend going to work, and then he just this beautiful woman comes in. He starts making out, and you're like, oh. Like, oh, this is my life for today. Like, I just, I'm never going to stop asking this guy about this. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do if that was us in the elevator and you started making out with like someone who walked in. I, yeah. I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. You'd be like, I, I, I guess would... we should talk about that. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. think we should talk about that, maybe. Yeah. But it turns out that Lem is having an office relationship with Nadine, who I think is, yeah, the, the titular lawyer. Um, and they do it in her office, in his office uh get not like graphic but they show a good amount of stuff here there's a part later where she calls him naughty and then he like picks her up that i was like oh my god (laughs) this is on cable yeah is that allowed he's like you try cases with that mouth or something like that yes whoa there's there's also a part where they're like on the couch with a blanket draped over them and there's like hip move like sexual hip movement going on yep yep and it's like this is on abc (laughs) what are you doing um 
Yeah, it, it I, was a lot. I I was surprised by how much they felt comfortable. Not like it wasn't like a ton, but it was like a little bit more than you're used to. It, it was the most sexual that the show has yes. been, I would yes. say, up to this point. Um, but yeah, so the basic idea of the plot is that Lem is is dating Nadine, but they don't have time to see each other outside of work. And then he gets his paycheck, and he notices that he's missing some money. And Veronica tells him, like, oh, that got billed to the legal department because you've been spending time with this lawyer. And Lem has this amazing response where he's like, well, I've been seeing Nadine, but we haven't been doing anything legal. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part, part, by the way, that I referenced in part one where I was like, the show's not going to reference this, but this is bananas. Which is, uh, Lem goes, hey, is your paycheck any lighter? And then Phil goes, I don't know. I don't look at my paychecks because my wife doesn't let me she, uh, take care of our... She doesn't think I feel I'm smart enough to take care of our, yeah, fi- she our finances. She doesn't like it when I spy on our finances or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that was, that was a lot. That was bad. All the best Phil and his wife stuff happens in the course of like, you could do a montage that would be 15 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this plot, there's a lot... There's a lot of funny stuff going on, I think, like just seeing Nadine uh, completely turn off Lem's logic brain. Yeah. Where yeah. where he's like, oh, they're taking money away from me for us to like have sex. And she's like, yeah, naughty sex. And he's like, oh, oh my brain is rewiring. <laughs> and then by the end of it, he's like really trying to tabulate his time. And she comes out in this, you know. Uh, whatever outfit, sex lingerie. outfit, lingerie. Thank sex you. Sex outfit. Oh, <laughs> I was really trying to, just struggling to find that word. Um, lingerie, and uh, and he's like, oh, that's gonna cost me three hundred dollars just to get that thing to off get you out of that. Um, like, you don't like? He's like, no, no, I like it. I'm just, I need to get lunch this week. <laughs> and this really is a plot that is like very uh, out of normal reality. Yeah, it's very jokey, and if you think about it for even longer than thirty seconds, like you wrote in your notes, it's like this is this is sex work. Like, what's happening here? Yeah, well, because the the thing that counters that I was I was debating over and over again. Like, is that are they making a thing that like they kind of are that she's a sex worker because he's like, oh, I have to I I pay whenever we have sex, but he's not paying her. He's paying the company. Uh, but it's not- but that like. She is billing her time to his paycheck. Like he, he's paying the legal department, which pays her. You know. I see. So then it and is she's, kind of yeah. And she's not working with anybody else. So. so her coming to work just to do this with Lem or doing that time of her work is billable hours that are getting paid to her. So I guess that makes sense. Then yeah. Then yeah, it's sex work, guys. Come on, come on. Yeah, it's like what I don't really. I don't know. What's the point there that like lawyers are don't care? Like they'll do anything for a buck or something? I don't know. Because I definitely joke? think there's there's like potential in. Well, okay. The truth of the matter is they got a lot of good jokes out of like what when you realize that your paycheck is being garnished for having sex with a lady. How do you approach sex differently? How do you approach this like illicit affair differently? Even though he's not, he's single. They don't really do anything with the sex work plotline part of this. It's more just like an excuse for like how 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 funny is it to try like once you realize you're being billed for for sex like yeah. how do you try to expedite different parts of it? That stuff is funny and I think they get all the good jokes out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I really my thoughts are not fully developed on how I feel about it. Uh, exactly. Um cuz I did think it was funny but then it's sort of like what is 
I don't know what is this and like this woman's using him and but I guess it's fine I, I don't know it was funny and maybe that's what matters for yes. this particular plot sometimes the plot line is just funny yeah um, but we also have uh, what was he the, the lemur and the little listener there you go we get, now we get to the lemur uh, mm-hmm. so Linda this one's kind of a smushy instead of like different characters doing different things we got like an interweaving of character plots Linda and Phil both deal with this because Linda is back to episode one. Linda, just like we asked, she's writing her children's book again. Yeah, you brought you brought this up. You were hoping this would happen. Yeah, so that's one check off. One of my predictions comes off. Thank you. Uh, comes true rather. Uh, she's working on it. She's having writer's block. She wrote a character. She drew a character, um, which is a lemur man, and it looks exactly like Phil. She's worried he's going to be offended. They don't spend too much time on this, and instead he's like, "That's sick. I'm so glad you made a thing that looks like me." The real joke, again, speaking of how the show works on like multiple levels of comedy, is uh, the book is eventually successful once they figure out the emotional core of it, which is that even though the picture of the lemur is Phil, the character of the lemur is Linda, because it hates its life in the jungle or whatever, and it wants to go somewhere else, and Phil is the one who's like, don't you know that, like, shouldn't the lemur know that all of its friends love it? Like, he comes to her house and tells her that. And she's like, that's it. That's the the idea the ending i needed for my book and the book's going to do really well except for the fact that it's not being promoted uh, as a book it's being used at the image of the lemurs in an ad for children's beer <laughs> quality this reminded me of uh the simpsons it, episode where which, it's homer's face and he's the soap all right i don't have to say anything <laughs> anymore but just, you nailed it yes that one uh, there's the definitive version of that joke it feels like this is kind of knocking that off a little bit a little bit yeah yeah um what is that episode called is it mr sparkle or something yeah something like that and they like go to japan and stuff i like when they do in that episode they watch the cartoons that are like too colorful and uh flashy and it messes with everybody's eyes or something. right i don't remember the it is mr sparkle the episode is in marge we trust just so you know um but Marge yeah. we trust why is it called that it's probably one of those things where that even though that's the simpsons episode like that's the plot that you remember that's like another is it a b plot weird uh what's the marge plot this is the 22nd episode of season eight marge volunteers as an over-the-phone counselor for the church and the congregation starts turning to marge more than reverend lovejoy oh meanwhile homer goes on a quest to find a ways like this is featured as the logo yeah oh that's a different one than when they go to japan i think oh, okay I think there's a separate episode where they go to Japan. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I, I again I the main thing I liked here was that A, Phil liking the lemur saved us from a really annoying plot line where Linda has to like hide it from him. Yeah. Because she does for like two minutes and then he sees it and he's like, oh, that's sick. I love this. <laughs> the the uh actual character design of the lemur is so perfect. It's really good. <laughs> when you when you see it, uh it's it's funnier than the concept of it mm-hmm. if that makes sense yes like it, it was already funny like oh no that lemur looks like phil and then the first time i watched this episode i must have been looking away from the screen or something and didn't see it and then uh this time when i w- i was watching more closely and she turns the pad around and i like busted out laughing yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just such a good drawing it's really funny it's like when you go on the streets of new york and there's the guy who like pays to draw a caricature uh-huh. of you yeah right it's, i think that's what they're going for and it works um, I mentioned the furries thing too that I loved. Just the uh, sea lamb. I told you I'd look good with a tail. 
And he talks about how he'd look good with antlers, but he'd have to cut the top off of his car, but it would be worth it. It's worth it. And then, oh, the most relatable Linda has ever been, and she's already, to me, been really, really relatable, is she has writer's block, which, number one, yes. Number two, hates working for a soulless corporation and wishes that she could just be a writer. Feel you there. And then she talks about, he comes in, and she's like, yeah, I just ate a carton of ice cream and watched four episodes of Alf in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I've, be, I've been seen. I feel so seen by that. Yeah, and I, I love it when Phil comes over and she's pacing around and like yelling at the drawing because <laughs> she can't figure out what to do next. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my, my favorite joke from, from that particular scene where she and where Phil's at her house is when he helps her figure out like what the moral of the story is. Yeah. Um, and how it's about, oh, you know, you might have these dreams about going somewhere else, but maybe you need to learn to stop and smell the roses and be happy with like the friends that you have where you are. And Linda's giving this beautiful monologue about the lesson that she needs to learn. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, suck it, Viridian. I'm going to be rich and out of here. <laughs> and they cut to Phil and he's yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I thought I I genuinely like this plot line. I think it manages a little bit of, of real character stuff while also just hitting all the good beats. Yeah, I sort of I wish that we had seen more of like Linda's trying to write a children's book as a through line of her character because it kind of fell in season one that sometimes they just did with her whatever was convenient for the episode. Yeah, and it felt really good to return to this where it's something that's entirely hers and it's like a dream and a goal that she has. And it says a lot about who she is. It's not defined in terms of any other character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's almost kind of sad because it feels like this episode like wraps that up. Yeah. Um, she doesn't need to be right. We don't need to care about her being a children's book writer. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to lose that idea, even though I do think that this plot is really well done. They even yeah they show at the beginning of the episode how how truly happy that makes her. She calls Ted Bloopity Blue, which is a good nickname, mm-hmm. and then he, she's like so giddy about it. And then he's like, "What made you get high before work this morning?" And she's like, "I'm high on life because she's finally doing a thing that makes her happy." Yeah, so good. Uh, Linda deserves better, uh, but I did I digress. I thought the plot was really good. Um, mm-hmm. And then the little listener, uh, our third tentpole of this episode. Uh, is that Rose? We find out that Rose, uh, her friends at school, are talking about what they heard at the dinner table, and uh, she tells Ted this, who tells Veronica, who realizes they can use this to either prevent people from getting fired, or unfortunately later, much darker, get people fired, uh, based on what the knowledge that they know. So it's kind of like a, a like Minority Report Junior, uh, is how I <laughs> thought about it in my notes, because uh, Minority Report's about like finding crimes before they happen. Yeah. Um I think this one wouldn't surprise me if it was a, it was either based on a true story or or could happen. Yeah. Yep. The parts of it that are implausible are the following. Number 1, uh like okay, maybe if I work in human resources. Uh like if you're an employee and you're like, "Honey, I feel like I'm going to get fired." That's realistic and your daughter hears that and she tells her friends at school. But if you're human resources, you're not telling your wife like, "Oh man, we're going to get rid of we're going to get rid of Kevin soon." And then yeah. Kevin's daughter or whatever, your daughter hears that and tells Kevin's daughter. Like, no, that doesn't, that part doesn't happen. Human resources would never talk about the people by name that they're thinking about firing. 
So it kind of yeah, toes feels, the line of reality. Feels here. sloppy a little bit. I mean, I think it's plausible that it could happen, but it definitely, yeah, is not a very likely occurrence. Which is sometimes my favorite TV stuff. Like, I chat some to We Are Who We Are last week, that really great HBO drama. And, like, I think maybe I mentioned this, but the way I describe that show, and my, my friend who I'm watching with actually came up with this, but especially when it gets more ridiculous with, like, the partying and the teen, like, drug and alcohol stuff, is, like, this hasn't happened to me or anybody I know, but I'm sure this has happened to someone. This mm-hmm. is based on a reality, not my reality, which is fine. I think it's interesting sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I'm sure, yeah, like you said, somebody in human resources is like blabbing about this stuff uh, and the kid doesn't realize it. But uh, yeah, it's always great to see Rose and like Rose and, and Ted talking alone at the beginning of the episode was very, very nice. And I just Ted missed talk. them. Ted yeah, talk. it was a little Ted talk. um but then no you're good uh i wrote that in my mental notes veronica veronica though kind of steals this this plot line uh just like how grubby she is we started to develop this running joke where like veronica would probably eat a person if it tasted good and she couldn't she wouldn't get in trouble like they really like set up that she would be a cannibal um (laughs) Because he's like, he's like, you know, Veronica, like we keep talking about how you don't need kids, but then you say stuff like this, or then you like come to my house at eleven thirty in the evening on a weekday, bringing pizza for my daughter, and yell things like the Jonas Brothers, so that she'll come out and tell you who's gonna get fired. Like, mm-hmm. Veronica is amazing. She just, uh, I don't know. I I saw this clip recently that I didn't even I didn't even think to compare it to Better Off Chat to Better Off Ted. Um, it was this woman who is like a she used to do like TV interviews in the seventies and eighties, I think. And, mm. uh, she would interview Pete, like big famous celebrities, uh, and be like, Hey, that movie you're in was pretty bad and got terrible reviews. What was up with that? Why was that? St- you, I heard you were bad in it. Was that, is that true? Are you like really bad? Um, and she just like has that like ability to be mean, but honest with, with celebrities. Uh, her name is Lita Powell Drake. People should look her up. I think I tweeted about that last week, but, um, yeah, I, I I say this all to say that Veronica has that energy of like she'll just do anything. She'll she'll be any <laughs> sort of crazy person. Yeah, I um, I really like seeing Rose again. I really enjoy when Veronica and Rose interact, and it makes Veronica seem even more craven. Like you're saying, of just like she really has no scruples. They kind of jumped through a lot of hoops to justify Veronica caring about people getting fired. <laughs> like she had right. to keep saying, and the reason I care is because it affects me. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. I get Why? it. Why? <laughs> um, I also, I think the funniest line to me from the, from the Rose stuff is when she's first telling Ted about her day and she's like, Grace H did this. And then Grace W did this. And then Grace B. And it reminded me of, um, back when we would have family dinners at my house when I was in middle school and high school and my sister would like tell stories from her day Uh and she would like talk about her friends and like so-and-so did this and -and so-and-so did that. And we, we would be like, who, who is that again? (laughs) Like, hold on, let me follow the plot lines. And she would indignantly be like, like if she was talking about her friend, Alan and we're like, who's Alan again? She'd be like, Alan Ibrahim. And it's like that doesn't it doesn't help me. I don't know his. I don't know. Their <laughs> give name. us some more context. And that um, that bit from Rose was just so it felt so true to like how kids talk about 
their days. And then the bit where she's like, and then like the dirt got on her strawberries and that's her ninth favorite fruit after peaches and pears. <laughs> I really thought they were going to do all of them. And then Veronica I, interrupts her I, I and be like, your life did. is so boring. <laughs> I wish they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I impressed really that the actress that. playing Rose can, could just like rattle off all of those quick and, and like long lines. Yeah, um, yeah, they definitely stuck with her longer in each shot this time than last time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or the uh, last season, rather. Uh, but so the first one when that, that they fix is like, this guy is on our team and we don't want to lose him because it's going to put us behind. So they prevent him get, from getting fired. And Ted's like, well, it's not morally wrong to mix work and play as long as it only happens once, which is like, that's sort of like a moral of the show. And then immediately Veronica's like, so isn't it in your best interest to do this over and over again to help me? And the second one is that they pre-fire this guy Jeffrey Bouchard uh, because they like suspects or something that he's it's he he's a competitor or he's working with a competitor so they get him fired uh, from mm-hmm. finding out about that. Um, he gets tased. They make a couple of tasing jokes. I don't know when "Don't Tase Me, Bro" happened, but we must be in that vicinity, <laughs> right? We gotta figure that out right now. Let's do the let's so this do is the 2009. Don't I... tase me, bro. Yeah. And uh, that would have University been... of Florida taser incident. Oh, seven. Yeah. September, September 07, 17th, yeah. 07. Wow, that was with a John, John Kerry. Fucking wow. 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 I saw George W. Bush on Ellen DeGeneres recently and my my like brain dissolved <laughs> into pudding. I couldn't. I didn't want to process that. You want to hear something wild? I do. The guy who got tased and said, don't tase me, bro. Yeah. Registered the phrase, don't tase me, bro, as a trademark. <laughs> the same Come month on. that it happened. Come on, buddy. Yeah. People oh, need that phrase no. for other reasons, dude. Come on. What's oh, his name? I want to shout him out. Andrew Meyer. Okay. Thanks, Andrew Meyer. Please be on chats. Editor's note. We take back that request, Andrew Meyer. Andrew, do not come on chats now or ever. You all try to us. This has been the first ever Chats Robot voice editor's note. Goodbye. Back into the robot world I go. There's a, um, I can't believe there's a whole Wikipedia article about this. This is yeah. this is wild. Well, it was it, it, the meme. It was like a whole incident. Yeah. Anyways, that's that that's that plot. The guy gets flaps off in like the post credit sequence where he gets like unfired, and then he ha- he's like Ted's like I'm so sorry I did this to you. What can I do to forgive you? And then they have they get Ted. They tase Ted, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that ending where the security guard without missing a beat is like, here, dude. Uh, you you want to tase this guy, don't you? <laughs> the security guards are fun. The like big, scary, tough men. Yeah, I like those guys. Also, this episode ended with the Verdian Dynamics ad. Like, what guys? Wait, I thought we weren't doing that at the end. The whole point is it's in the middle because nobody would. Skip they didn't it. even have one in the first episode. No, they didn't. Which is weird because if you're trying to reestablish the show and like repilot it for the second season, why aren't you doing the thing that's like a running, a running right. uh, motif through your episodes? It's weird. Exactly. Um, and they could have done something with the, like, love. Here's what it is. Like, breed good or whatever. We want our employees to love each other. And and, and this one it. just felt kind of lazy. Like, Viridian Dynamics. We'll, we'll fuck you up. Like, don't cross us. Ever. <laughs> Seriously. Just don't. Yeah. Um, no, I just think also that, like, put you know, putting an ad at the end of the, the episode is terrible for viewer retention. Like, who is watching that? And enjoying it instead of waiting for the next show to come on if you're watching this live. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's not the best. But I th- I, again, this is just an, another yet another fantastic showcase for our girl Veronica, and uh, it's great to see Rose again. So I think that pretty much caps off that plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's the episode. Do you have some stray notes? Let me take a look. Let me take a look at if I have stray notes. I have a single stray note. Well, what do you got? Uh, when Nadine is flirting with Lem at one point, she goes, purr, purr. And he goes, <laughs> she does it a couple times. And then by the third one, uh, Lem is like, you have to say, you have to make the sound. You don't say the word purr. And she's like, purr. The, <laughs> the first time she does it, it totally works on him. Yes. And then, yeah. And like, then yeah. the, the well, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the gag where Veronica comes over to try to lure Rose out of her bedroom and she's like, I've got pizza. And Ted is like, I try not to feed her pizza at 8.30 p.m. on a school night when she's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was 11.30, even more crazy. Oh, it was 11.30? Yeah. Oh, dang, uh. yeah. That's wild. They changed Linda's house. Did I they? Think. Oh, they did. Well, it's like she a different, maybe it's like different... the bottom floor. Well, she was in a different apartment, I think. I thought, yeah, you might be right. It definitely, like, unless the lighting just, was completely different. Yeah, unless we just didn't see all of it last season, but it seemed like a different room. I think you're right. Yeah. But that's all I got. It was a fun, cute little episode. Indeedly deep. Indeedly deep. People yeah. said we can't get a, a long podcast out of 30 minutes to come. What are you, what are you guys saying? Come on. Go home. You're go drunk. home. Go home. Go home. You give me keys. Uh <laughs> Let's. I just did a Family Guy joke. But John, let's take it home. What are you watching <laughs> next week on Better Off Chaz? Oh boy, oh boy. I don't know, but I'm not coming back to this show. This oh. Family Guy referencing thing. Yeah. Philistines. Um, yeah. The Phil and Limbs. Uh, next time we are watching the next two episodes of Better Off Ted. Okay. <laughs> First, and I'll just. Uh, I may or may not have just flipped Magellan off on camera for that joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are watching episodes three and four of Better Off Ted season two. First is Battle of the Bulbs. Lem's mother, a brilliant scientist who has always intimidated him, visits and begins an affair with Dr. Bomba. <gasps> My that man. That sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds very good. And then you're going to like the sound of this one too, I think. Episode four, it's nothing business. It's just personal. When Veronica's magician boyfriend comes to town, she slacks off at work. Mordor's back. Mordor is back, baby. Mordor's back. I was listening back to the finale discussion where I was like, I wonder if they're going to do Veronica magic stuff. And you were like, I don't know how I feel about that. I also know the answer to that. So thank you for not spoiling that. Yay. I'm glad. Um, but yeah, I think that's time for us to take it to the close. Majon, you haven't done the plug zone in a while. You're so late. You're always slacking off. Can you do the plug zone? He does it every I would other week, love guys. to. I, I would love to. So, a couple things. A couple things. Hey, everybody. What's up? Can I, you want to take this whole thing again? You want me to take this? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride the train I came into the station on and came out going out of the station on the same train. Um, great. <laughs> We really, the fact that we have cameras on is really messing me up. Uh, he okay, says that every so. single time we do cameras, he says verbatim that. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. <laughs> <Go ahead>, <laughs> okay. Um, cool. So if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so in a couple different ways. You can contact us via email at chatspot at gmail.com. 
You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash r, nope, twitter.com slash chatspod, or just at chatspod on Twitter. Uh, that's how websites work. And you can DM us there too if you want. If you want to join a community of fellow listeners who are listening back to old episodes of Chats as well as the newest episodes of Chats, you can do so on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash chatspod. All of those are spelled C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. And then if you want to support the show in a fiduciary way with your moolah, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod, and you can back the show at one of three tiers. There's a $1 tier for folks who just like us and want to toss us a buckaruno, buckaroo bonsai, huh? You know what I'm talking about, gamers. Uh, <laughs> Alan is vigorously shaking their head. No, 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 no. Um, $1 is just to say like, Hey, you know, we like you guys. Here's a dollar. $3 gives you access to our thrice monthly bonus content in the month of November. You've already heard a pilot chats on justice league, a chats nights on the video games we would bring to a deserted Island and a movie commentary of the classic early aughts film, big fat liar. Classic. If you classic. classic. And then next Saturday, we'll do a little uh, first impressions of uh, of the 2020 Animaniacs revival season, which is going to be fun. Uh, so that's all on the Patreon for the month of November. And we encourage you to join us over there. And then five bucks a month, you could do that if you just like us and you want to give us a little more money. And if we can reach $100 by the end of the year, or whenever we do it, but by the end of the year, it would be pretty cool, then we are going to start doing a new little series whenever we feel like it that could come into the rotation called chats lights i don't think we ever talked about this on the main feed but chats lights will be a series where we uh do like a season of a show or a whole show that we're never going to do on the main show but we want to talk about it and give you the highlights of like what are the best episodes what are our favorite bits about it so if you're interested in that coming into the rotation of content that we create Help us out over on uh, on Patreon by tossing some bucks our way. I want to so, reemphasize, yeah. by the way, that people should really look into uh, rating us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and yeah. uh, uh, leaving a review, writing one if you can, because that helps the algorithm find us. I've been testing that recently, and you can find us if you search our name right now, but we don't come up in every recommended for every other podcast, but if you give us more reviews, especially if you're a regular listener, you should try to write us a review because I'm serious. That does help a lot. Uh, yeah. Also, I want us to have more reviews than Full Metal Analysts because they're our cousin rival <laughs> podcast and they're making a push for more reviews. And we are we currently have more, but they're going to lap us, guys. You know it. You got to stay ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. And then I think our most recent review is pretty old also. It's like yeah. maybe a year old or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, any any of that helps the show. And we greatly appreciate yeah. it. Um, cool. So let's go ahead and wrap up here with our chat sums with our little media or experiential recommendations for you for the, the week between now and the next episode of chats. Alan, what's your chat sum for this week? I have to chat some Gunbuster, which is a fantastic anime that I just watched recently. You know, Neon Genesis Evangelion, that show was created by a man named or was directed and written by a man named Hideaki Anno. Uh, in the 1980s, he also created a show called Gunbuster, which is about people who train to pilot mechs, who, and then the best amongst them, sort of like Top Gun, go to space and fight the alien threat. 
Uh, it seems really straightforward, but let me tell you guys, in this six-episode OVA from the 80s, you will laugh, you will cry, you will experience time and space. Uh, it's really an easy narrative device to include time travel in your like dramatic story, but it really works, and I wept like a big baby at the end of it, so please <laughs> find a way to watch Gunbuster. I know it's old, I know it's a little crusty, but it's a really go- It's also a pretty show, and... Um, it's got a little bit of like horny stuff in it because you know it's anime and from the eighties and all that, but it's really good and people should watch it. I think it's a pretty good introduction if you haven't watched any mecha in a while. Like, hey, here's the good stuff about this. Mm-hmm. Gun Buster. That's what they say on the cred the cat commercials. It's pretty sick. John, do you have a chat some? I do have a chat some. Uh, so. My chatsum for this week is I've been doing a lot of video game chatsums. I get it. I know. This one is tangential to video games, but it's not a video game specifically. Um, I recently on eBay purchased myself a Nintendo 64 because I'm trying to, you know, fill the the void inside of myself with with anything I can find. And, uh, you know, the nostalgia could be could be the ticket to happiness. Who knows? And uh, I've been looking for and grabbing some games. And the other day I went into Manhattan, into the Lower East Side, and I found a really great video game store that has a ton of retro games as well as some current stuff. It's called Video Games NYC. There's no spaces, just Video Games NYC. And uh, yeah, they've got tons of stuff. They, I mean, they had all the N64 games I wanted. Some of them were maybe more expensive than I wanted to pay because I think everybody wants original Smash Bros. Of course. So I didn't, I didn't get that, but uh, I got some good stuff. And the guys that were nice, and they uh, asked me about my Windjammer shirt, and I felt like a real, a real gamer because I know what Windjammers is, and I have a shirt for it. You're playing a physical Um, business in this pandemic? Are you kidding me? How do they handle the pandemic in such a small business area? Well, listen, they they do uh, pick up. Oh. So you can be safe about it. Wow. You can be safe about it if if you have that concern. It's Uh, Because it it, it definitely is hard to socially distance in their tiny little store. The time I went there, because I went there two years ago, separate from Magellan, actually, which is funny. Um, I, the clerk was like, uh, my friend was trying to find a rare game and the guy was like we don't have that but then the more interesting thing was that there was a guy in the back explaining why like some vid- like the Zelda franchise was cool to a young woman and it was very clearly like she stopped being interested and he was just like going on about like no like it's like there's different storylines and they all kind of connect but like you can play one of them and just get it and like Ocarina of Time is my favorite and I can show you <laughs> if you want we have it here oh, it no. freaking awesome um, love that. Uh, Video Games New York. That's uh, on 6th Street in New York City, if you're in that area or if you're yeah. visiting. Yeah. Cool. Very cool, Magellan. That's so cool of you. Thank you. I think that's going to have to do it for now. They're, they're closing the doors on us. Yeah. Closing time. Go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're doing the Zach Braff thing? Uh-huh. uh-huh. One last call for alcohol. On the Garnet Wager, we end every episode with Nick, uh, our co-host, like playing a different version of this song from the Akaza games called Bakamitai, and then singing along to it as the song fades out. So thank you, everyone, for listening. John, go ahead and play us out.
I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. I know I want to take me home. Take me 